Fire Emblem, a tactics-based JRPG that centers around medieval fantasy, warring kingdoms, and the bonds between soldiers. Can our hosts craft a tale out of these epic battles, military tactics, and anime protagonists? Find out on this episode of Game Reel. Hey guys, welcome to Game Reel, where we take video games and we turn them into the peak of cinema. I'm Matt, and this is my co-host, Cassidy. Hello, I am Cassidy. And Annika. Hello, I am Annika. <laughs> and they are. This week on the podcast, we're talking about Fire Emblem. So, what is Fire Emblem? So, get this, guys. Fire Emblem is this fantasy roleplay game developed by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo. It is a turn-based tactical-type video game where you're pitting your army against another one. It functions a lot like chess, but with anime characters, so it's better than chess. So you got, like, a lot of fun classes, like archers and mages and, like, people on, like, pegasuses and healers and thieves and dancers and stuff like that. So at the moment of recording, there's been 16 different Fire Emblem games so far. It's stuck... they started making them in the 90s, but it didn't get to North America and Europe until 2003. During that time it, in the West, they were doing okay, but for the 13th game, Fire Emblem Awakening, it was going to be the last one just because it wasn't doing very well. But that one ended up being a huge commercial and critical success, so that totally revamped the series. It's still going on today. That was like in 2012. So there's been a lot of different games, like, like I said, 16, but a lot of them have a few commonalities in between them. Like, the gameplay is, like, generally very similar. Like, it's always a turn-based RPG with, like, a grid map. Just, like, we move up and down. Everything's permadeath. There's always a war going on. Either, like, two or more countries are just going at it, and you're in the middle of it. And you play either, like, a mercenary who's recruited by a lord or, like, some form of royalty of the ruling class, or you play a lord in the ruling class. Usually, like, the Lord or Noble, they have, like, blue hair or whatever. That's just, like, a fun little quirk that they have for some reason. There's always, like, a wacky assortment of characters who you recruit on the way. And also, it's named after the Fire Emblem, which is, like, this weird kind of magical device that's either, like, a shield or a sword, and it controls powers of, like, gods and dragons and magic and shit. And also, there's gods and dragons and magic and shit, but, like, you know... Just like chess. Yeah, just like chess. Yeah, from what I can tell, just because I've never played it and I've been trying to do some research on it, is it's a very, very story-intense game. I thought you were going to say there's a lot of shipping involved. (laughs) I have seen that too. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't, I've honestly not even been doing enough in my own playthrough. Does anybody have, like, favorite characters from any games? I have a few now that I've played a few, like maybe five hours of uh three houses mm-hmm. uh my favorite character right now based off what i'm reading is uh Rhea, who's like kind of the leader of the church like the quote like the pope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um she's really interesting to me just because of like uh her magical powers and the fact that she can there are spoilers in this part She's super interesting to me, and also, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, she kind of reminds me of Princess Bubblegum from Adventure Time. (laughs) Mm. Just based off of, like, how her character is a little bit, like, seems sweet at first, but is kind of skeeving, or, like, scheming Mm. behind the scenes. Well, based on my playthrough right now, my favorite character is Petra from the Black Eagle's house because she's super sweet and she's extremely strong and yeah, I don't know. Her her story seems really interesting. She's from like she's from this like archipelago country that's like kind of tied to one of like the big empires and she's like one of those like 
I don't know what they call it. I think it's like a ward when like a, a royal family gives one of their like children to another royal family to as like insurance to make sure that they won't like you know beef with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like she's like one of those, and she's she's very sweet. She's like she's still learning the language of the main like uh, country Fodland, so like everything she says is like just a little bit grammatically off, and she like. She tries so hard, and uh, I think she's really cool. She also has a cool face tattoo, which I think is awesome. So, like, I'm I'm obviously very biased towards Awakening. It was, like, mm-hmm. my first game in the series, and I played a bunch of them, but, like, none of them have made as big an impression, though I haven't played Three Houses yet, so maybe that will. Mm. But Awakening had a lot of fun side characters, and I think, like, the main plot is really compelling so in terms of side characters there's this one guy and he's a thief which is like a fun class because like they kind of suck in combat but they like can steal like open doors and like because they're like lockpicks and they could steal stuff from enemies and all that and there's this one guy named Gaius and he's this ginger guy who's like just this rogue thief just like trying to do whatever but he has like a weird obsession with candy like, he has this, like, little bear-shaped lollipop attached to his clothes, and, like, all of his stuff, all of his dialogue just revolves around candy for no apparent reason. <laughs> and it's super odd. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. What a weirdo. Yeah, he's a fun romance option, too. That's so fun. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so should we jump into our movie pitch ideas? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I'll go first. I don't really have much of a a fully fleshed-out pitch. Um, because I'm only, only mere hours into the first Fire Emblem game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> so I don't know much about the lore, but I was intrigued by one Fire Emblem character I know from Smash Bros. called uh, Tiki. She's, mm. the, she's a, a, a young, young girl, although she's like hundreds of years old, uh, who can turn into a dragon. And I thought that was super cool, and I was drawn to that. So I looked her up, and I looked up her story, and it appears that she's, like, directly related to, like, the god of all dragons. So she has a crazy story, and I kind of... My pitch basically just revolves around, like, her early life and, like, uh, some kind of story within there, because it seems like when she was, like, first born, it was, like, at the near the tail end of this like big war between the earth dragons and the uh the divine dragons and it was because something caused all the dragons like to no longer be fertile and to suddenly go insane and start killing everything and so then all the other dragons worried that they were going to start doing that too and so when tiki was born and like early in her life uh people started worrying that she was going to go insane and start killing everybody. And since she's so crazy powerful, they were like very, very afraid of that. So what they ended up doing was they ended up putting her in like a magically induced sleep that kept her asleep for like hundreds of years until like later on when she was awoken. So my, my movie idea kind of centers around uh, the story of, her you know coming to terms with the fact that her people are um going insane and dying off and doing horrible things and then coming to the realization that she that might happen to her and like the story behind uh her and any other characters that are in the movie uh trying to find ways to stop this happening to her before eventually coming on the uh the solution of putting her to sleep for hundreds of years so like i said earlier like the pretty common thing about all the fire emblem games is that you kind of simp for the ruling class (laughs) pretty much and it's fun to play the like as a concept i don't really fuck with it you know Mm -hmm. like i don't like the idea of monarchies and all that Mm mm-hmm so I wanted my idea to be, and I wrote like in all like caps, like this one like little like title. Um, do you guys you guys know about Crom from Awakening at all? 
I know of him. He's in Smash, I think. Yeah, he's in Smash. He has blue hair. He's voiced by Matt Mercer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Matt Mercer is in a few games. A few Fire Emblem games is like voice acting credits for pretty big characters. Yeah, I think a lot of the critical role people are in some Fire Emblem games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Laura Bailey is also Lucina, so. Mm, yep, oh. yep. Yeah, she's she's killing it. Yeah. But anyway, so like, Krom's character is that like, he's like the very handsome and righteous and just prince who's like gonna like lead everyone and he's like the ideal prince, you know? Like, he's in the trenches with, with all of his subjects, and he's, like, just, like, another one of the people, like, a real people's guy. But I... I don't trust that shit. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, like... So I wanted my idea to be against the whole, like, idea of, like, the righteous blue-haired lord character. So I wrote... um, And so I wanted it to be about, like, a lower-class, like, commoner who helps get rid of the monarchy so i wrote it as crom versus crumb <laughs> from being the name of the the commoner guy because you know <laughs> that's I all you get already wow yeah <laughs> okay yeah so basically it, w- it would be about a commoner named crumb who joins the <laughs> army to support the cause of his noble blue-haired lord only to discover the e- evils of the ruling class and the royal family causing him to defect to lead a lower class rebellion and take control of the country while it's weak because they're at war. Wow. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It also kind of sounds like it's not really tied to any of the games. Mm -hmm. So like we could make up our own Fire Emblem cast of characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That was my idea for it. Because like in all the games, usually the royal family that you fight with is like pretty much like supreme good and then mm-hmm. the people you fight are like comically evil you know yeah we could we could pull what the people with the did with the nino kuni uh movie and just make totally new characters yeah totally so anika what's your idea i've never played fire emblem before so i kind of was have just been reading the the fire emblem three houses wiki uh because it's mm-hmm. the most recent game so i figured if a movie were to be made about Fire Emblem, it might be a good idea to base it off of the thing that people have played most recently. So I've been trying to figure out a story that I like, and I think the characters that I'm specifically drawn to are Rhea and Sothis. There are also spoilers in this part as well. Yeah, I don't really have much more developed beyond that, but I think it would be interesting to follow those two and kind of further explain their uh, their relationship. A lot of our pitches seem to center around green-haired women. I'll throw it out there. I'm kind of super drawn to uh, Matt's idea of overthrowing the ruling class and coming up with their own characters. I it might too. be harder, but I yeah. am drawn to it. Mm-hmm. I I really like you guys' idea, though I'm, like, super unfamiliar with the lore of either of the characters that center around your, like, film ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that makes me a little bit apprehensive. I think w- no matter what, we're all going to be unfamiliar with the characters <laughs> that currently exist in Fire right. Emblem. Mm-hmm. So why so, not just make our own? Yeah, dude, like let's just get into it. Let's let's Fuck yeah. Let's go deep. Let's make our own shit up. Okay. And Matt, yeah, I'm cause... really I'm really drawn to yours because I think it subverts what Fire Emblem is all about. And that would yeah. be so interesting for a film to try and cover. Yeah. But also keeping like what's core to Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. War. Right. <laughs> War. <laughs> <laughs> And we have okay. to somehow work the candy villain into the story. Yes. <laughs> Regardless Wait, of the, the story. <laughs> is the candy mm. is the candy man gonna be a villain? Um, he's like he like starts as a villain, but you just like recruit him because you're like, hey, you want money and he's like, uh, I don't know. And he's like, Wait, do you have candy in your pocket? And he's like, Yeah, he's like, yeah, he'll give me that shit. <laughs> it's like literally something like that. <laughs> He's a very, like, I'll, I'll just, I don't fucking care. So, like, I think we could add him as a cameo. That'd be pretty funny. 
Wow. Yeah. So we so to start off with, we've got blue haired noble, who is like the picture of good, but actually secretly the picture of evil. And then yeah. commoner who goes to war and gets radicalized. Mm-hmm. Crumb. Crumb. Also, I think an important thing to like add because it's just really fun is there's like so many different classes and archetypes in the game. Mm. So I think we should like try to cram in as many like wacky ones as we can. Like what? Like Wyvern Riders? Like Wyvern Riders and Pegasus Knights, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now here's my question. Where the fuck are commoners gonna find a Wyvern? Oh, that could be a, an element in the story. That could be like one of the big battles is like they have people who are experienced with wyverns, but they need to like steal the wyverns from the uh, from the noble camp or like the noble uh, like stables. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay, okay. I think I think maybe it'd be fun to start Crumb out as like a regular cavalier, which is you know just like yeah. the knight on a regular horse with like a lance mm-hmm. or a sword. It's like pretty like the most standard class in the game. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And maybe eventually, like, at some point during this journey, he loses his horse and, like, he tames a wyvern. Or, like, takes Ooh. a wyvern later on. Oh, yeah. What if he, like... Hmm. I was gonna say gets an injury that prevents him from using a lance, but I don't know... I don't know what else he would use after that. <laughs> a bow and arrow? Are there crossbows in Fire Emblem? Oh, yeah. They're... The crossbows are pretty big in Fire Emblem. Ooh. What if... So what if he keeps the lance? But uh, there's, like, a dramatic scene some point in the movie where, like, uh, a wyvern, like, kills his horse. And he's really attached to this horse. So he's, like, really angry at the wyvern. Mm-hmm. And then some series of events lead to him, you know, confronting this wyvern and then making peace with it. And uh, instead riding the wyvern. Maybe we can have the wyvern be like originally the animal for a pretty big guy in the military who like betrays him or something like that. Oh yeah. Like whoever like was like was he was in the command of like when he like betrays the military. I mean maybe yeah, probably someone who's close to Krom. Mm-hmm. Our blue haired noble. Right. Oh, should we, we just could... should we rename him or should we just like also have him named Krom? No, we should rename him. Okay. Because Krom is a recognizable character, and then that would like make this story part of that you know era. True. Mm-hmm. Um. That's true. Yeah. Here we go. Medieval name generator. Let's see. Generate. Ah, yeah. This is great. Okay. How do we feel about Philotas? Philotas. <laughs> or maybe just Philo. Alright, so there's House Philotas or the 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 main guy, the, the blue haired noble's name is Philotas. I'm sorry, wait, one of the names that just came up was Rustel Gilpin. <laughs> Rustel Gilpin? No, Rusto. Rusto Gilpin. That's great. We gotta keep that. Yeah, someone's maybe two people will be named with this one name. Rusto and Gilpin. They could be brothers. Yeah. (laughs) I like the idea of this guy being radicalized by going to battle. And I think the main message he should get is that the nobles do not care about the foot soldiers. Mm -hmm. Right. And he should learn this by the sergeant or general or whoever uh, sending them in to uh, a suicide mission, basically. Mm. And... In that suicide mission, I think he should be the only one who survives, Ooh. including Damn. including his horse. His horse should not survive, I don't think. And so he comes back, and he's, like, awarded a Medal of Honor or whatever. But mm-hmm. he's, like, furious about this, and that's what prompts his uh, heroic uprising. And I think mm-hmm. his the general should have, be, like, a wyvern rider who stays away from the battles and has, like, a special huge you know distinctive wyvern Mm -hmm. that he later steals in the wyvern raid do you think keeping with like the the theme of fire emblem we should give our protagonist a love interest 
should maybe they like meet in the military and like she's one of the first to defect with him because i feel like to start a revolution like you have to i feel like the most logical thing would that he would try to have like some of his comrades within the army defect with him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think the the starting people should be all like veterans of this like one battle Mm -hmm. that they were all a part of that they barely survived I really like that. I think if we stick with that, then it would be interesting to put in, like, a mole. Like, mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. who survived the battle oh. with him, but who is secretly giving information to... Oh, that's still loyal to Philotas. Yeah, to Philotas. Can they be named Gundabad? <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the names on this list that popped up. What if the right. mole was the love interest? Is that too much? I don't know. Oh my god, no, that's not too much. What are you talking about? That'd be pretty sick. That would be that would that would lead up to such a like a dramatic mm-hmm. uh final conflict. Damn, that's fucked up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Should we like try to figure out the plot structure first and then yeah. put together yeah. the characters? Focus, yeah. I think that's that's a good idea. Okay, so starting from the beginning, we have Philotas, who sends his like little group into battle and maybe like in the middle of the battle crumb notices philotas like turn around on his wyvern and go back with a small group of people Ooh, yeah like his general he like recognizes his general like Mm -hmm. escaping and then he sees like all the nobles escaping as well Mm -hmm. i'm picture i'm pick i'm picturing this very much being like uh, a Studio Ghibli style like anti-war movie, because mm-hmm. mm. a lot of a lot of Ghibli movies, especially Miyazaki's, are like very anti-war. You know. Yeah, that is right. true. And so I'm kind of picturing this being Crumb doesn't know that this that that this like whole institution is extremely corrupt. Mm-hmm. So he's Mm -hmm. very enthusiastic to be, like, fighting for his country. So I think it should be a very, like, hopeful, you know, very patriotic beginning where, like, he's, like, marching out with the soldiers and, like, him and his, whoever his war buddies are, they're, like, very excited to, like, fight for the realm and defend their homes. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. shortly after, we're treated to scenes of them being massacred and them all realizing that it's, like... We're not fighting for anything. We're fighting for someone who doesn't care about us. Yeah, I think that is how we should open it. I feel like we might need a little bit more easing in before we like go straight into showing how shitty the royals are mm-hmm. or the ruling class. Like yeah. maybe starting out with um file toss like in I feel like we might need to start, like, within, like, a village that, like, they're going to recruit in. Yeah. So that we could really see how the people view the royals, you know? Oh, maybe that's what Crumb's village is. Or maybe Crumb just sees that. I imagine, like, the whole royal guard going from town to town to recruit commoners for this war effort. Yeah. You know? I think Crumb is like a starry-eyed young man who wants yeah. to make a difference in the world. And so in seeing like, you know, this strong, confident, like handsome lord who's like very clearly very noble and cares about is good with the people. Mm-hmm. Like that's very inspirational to him. Yeah. And so he like immediately signs up. And then we'll see like maybe him and a few other like young men from his town like to join. Yeah, then the army comes in in all their splendor, and, like, we see, you know, through the people's eyes, like, these people are, like, so fucking great, you know? So that way, when it shows how, how, like, much they don't care about the people, it's, Mm -hmm. like, that more impactful. And then it becomes, Mm -hmm. the like, after the massacre, it'll become Crumb looking for the surviving members of that battle. Yeah. Because he's convinced those are the people he can recruit to help him in his uh efforts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe like two or three people from his village come with him too mm-hmm. yeah that's what i mean i think like some of the village people should be recruited and he should see them die yeah i think there should definitely be like a best friend character for sure yeah. i think he should be a mage too just because <laughs> oh no because yeah. you know they're so fragile you know yeah. as units 
Like a silly comic relief best friend character who dies in the battle. Maybe that's Gilpin. No, I think Rusty <laughs> and Gilpin should be other ones. I think they should be main characters. Can we give him like a really on the nose name like Joy or Hope or something like that? Oh. <laughs> so it's like, oh no, Joy is dead. His name is Patriotism. <laughs> <laughs> I like Joey because it'll sound oh. a little bit like Joy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think after the battle Mm -hmm. the general should definitely well they're already a general i was gonna say like maybe they should get like some form of promotion for their like good tactics and like throwing the suicide mission and weakening the enemy but they're already a general we can just demote them and just say that they were a lower rank before and then they get promoted to general or maybe they're a captain oh Mm -hmm. wait is wait is hey guys is is captain higher than general (laughs) <laughs> no general's like the highest i think okay. general is higher i think since it's like fantasy medieval i think captain to general seems pretty fine yeah and this like pr- whole like promotion thing totally enrages crumb mm-hmm. oh absolutely it's it's i think it i think it should be what inspires him to rebel because yeah. i think initially he should be just like really depressed right so then my question would be how does Crumb find out about this promotion? Like, does he go back and rejoin the army, or does he infiltrate as a spy and try and get information? I think he should just go back to his town afterwards. But I think I think a way that he could hear about the general, the general's promotion, is uh, like someone in his in the like the bar he frequents or something is, talks about like, hey, there's gonna be a big parade or like festival or whatever in so-and-so town uh s- celebrating you know the gen the the new general mm-hmm. and then mm. and then crumbs like who's the new general and then they're like oh this guy and then crumbs like what the fuck why i feel like crumbs kind of part of his motivation should be getting back to philotas and yeah. like attempting to speak to him or fight to- with him one-on-one Ooh, yeah maybe that can be like the first thing he does is he like after hearing about the general he like makes his way and tries to seek audience with philotas and say hey he doesn't deserve this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he he got all of us killed he doesn't deserve to be rewarded for that and then philotas is like who the hell are you Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Or I feel like maybe he shouldn't even meet Philotas then. Like, someone lower in rank should just kick him out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that before, like, being sent off on, like, the rookie suicide mission, he would have congregated mm-hmm. with other members of the army who were, like, newer recruits or whatever. Yeah, other battalions. Yeah, and that would have, like, given time to establish, like, him forming relationships with other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when he, like, rejoins with the army, like, sees all these other people, he'll be able to, like, try to convince them to Mm -hmm. switch over. Maybe he, instead of attempting to go to Philotas, like, right after the end of the battle, he starts by getting, like, getting this group of veterans together. And then, as a group, they attempt to go to Philotas and the entire group is um is kicked out and that could kind of that would kind of be like the i guess like the midpoint of the film oh yeah Mm. and like maybe there's like a little like like fight or skirmish that happens where they're this like group of veterans is like forcefully removed from the camp Ooh, Mm -hmm. what if like he initially goes on his own to confront philotas and Mm. the person who deflects him is just like you're one person who cares what you think go home and you know live out the rest of your days if more people felt like this then maybe it would be a concern and so he thinks well all right i'll go get more people and then they come back with more people Mm -hmm. and it does catch philotas's attention but uh, he does not. He still does not address him. He turns him away. And I think the first fight that should happen should be like Philotas telling the general, "Be like, hey, uh, we got a problem. People are people are saying some bad shit about the crown. 
Mm-hmm. We need to nip this in the bud. And so they send out like a little group of people to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And that's like the one of the first big fights that happens. Is like the with all the you know the veterans. Mm-hmm. Is like they're fighting back against this like, uh, like this group of people that were sent to silence them. Yeah, maybe through this they get marked as like rebels or people who are committing treason against the oh against the like crown. terrorists. Yeah, like terrorists, I guess. And they turn cloaks. Yeah, and they're kind of like mm. forcefully removed, mm-hmm. and like a bounty is placed on them to where they can never show their face again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if it's not people from their own kingdom that they recruit? Like, of course, they recruit like all of the. I think a good amount of the other side characters from their own kingdom. Mm-hmm. But what if they mm-hmm. have to? What if they have to go to the other kingdom, like the kingdom that is currently warring with theirs? They like mm-hmm. go to some of the villages that were burned and like uh, conquered by Philotas and like talk to those people like hey listen you guys hate this guy right well if you work with us we can we can take him down and so it's like the 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 working people from this one kingdom band together with the working people from this other kingdom have we given the general name yet i i'm still a fan of gundabar or gundabad either one (laughs) Mm -hmm. i like Mm -hmm. gundabar a little bit more are we still gonna add the love interest i like the idea of the love interest before we get too into the love interest story, do we think they should be the the traitor to this group? I think so. I think so. I, I think only just because adding a separate... I really like the idea of a spy. Mm-hmm. And I think adding like a separate character might be like a little too complicated. I think like having the love interest be the double agent begs the question, mm-hmm. does the power of love conquer all and she ends up not... Ooh. You know, not doing it. Oh shit! Because okay. you know, mm-hmm. I'd 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 like to think the power of love would conquer all, but yeah, this is a pretty bloody story, you know. Yeah, it sure is. And I think that she should be one of the first people to join the rebel cause, because mm-hmm. it only makes sense that Philotas would like. I want to keep an eye on this, so then they send in the spy after the altercation, you know. Yeah. And I think it adds more drama because it's like, oh, this person that I kind of like joins my cause that and that gives Crumb inspiration to continue. Well, then don't you think that she should shouldn't be the first one to join? Because in the beginning, Crumb's not listened to mm-hmm. because he's just one person. Right. And so he's even he, he might even be turned away by the guards. He might not even be reported to Philotas because it's not important enough. Mm hmm. The guards are just like, whatever, get the fuck out of here, dude. So then after when he comes back with more veterans, and then they're yeah. turned away the second time is when she would join. I wonder then if it would make sense for her to be somewhat of a higher up. So we meet her in the beginning and she's just another commoner, but mm-hmm. in between she's been promoted. So she's not at Philotas's rank, but maybe she's at Gundabar's rank. And then So she's she... like a captain now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so her mm-hmm. deciding to defect is like a bigger deal for her. Yeah, mm. or maybe she hides the fact that she's a captain from them so that oh. they're not suspicious of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how maybe they find out before she can really fuck shit up for them. Is like they, one of them finds like a captain's emblem or something in her stuff, and they're like, "Hey, what the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe she, so she can hide that she is a captain, and maybe mm-hmm. it does come to light. But she convinces them that. Her or heart is still with their cause. Yeah. Regardless mm-hmm. of the fact that she was a captain and she only kept it secret so they would trust her. Mm-hmm. So then her betrayal is like that much more impactful because she's promised to them so many times that she isn't like she isn't like the other general. She's different. Right. Or maybe she disappears, the person who figures it out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe a thought. So. Maybe so. That would be very evil, but I kinda like it. Like she, I mean, like someone finds out and she like kills him. Yeah, or like we don't see them again for a little while. Like we don't see specifically that it's her, mm-hmm. but like maybe it's like some, maybe there's like a shifty character amongst them who like goes to people's stuff or something. I don't know. One of the characters, one of our side characters that we have to come up with, mm-hmm. you know, looks through her stuff 
or like sees it like hanging out like sees that it's like there's like a captain's emblem in there or something Mm -hmm. that could be like our thief character our candy yeah our candy rogue our our dude is looking for candy he's like he's like he's like uh he sees her her tent is open or whatever and he's like oh i wonder if she's got any stashed treats and he goes in there and uh looking around and he sees the captain's emblem he's like what is this and then like some shadowy figure like you know comes up behind him and you know puts a bag over his head or something and then we we're clued in later like maybe even in the next scene where it's like the same tent and like someone comes and like asks for and she like walks out or something i like that a little bit of dramatic irony real quick does the love interest have a name yet i don't think they do let me generate some new names there's brienne Mm. sabine ada aspar Throstila. <laughs> I like Aspar. Can can Rusto be the candy bandit? Rusto. Yeah. Alright. Okay. I just I, that name's been sitting on my screen. I want to use it. I'm here for it. Alright. <laughs> okay. Candy Bandit. Comma dies. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to die. Maybe they can take him into custody and that's like they uh ooh yeah they like take him in for questioning ooh maybe that's how she's discovered is during the big wyvern raid where they get the wyverns mm-hmm. um they discover him in like one of the dungeons and they like break him out and they're like yo wh- what happened to you and he's like aspar did it and they're like what mm-hmm. and then they have the com- confrontation with aspar during the wyvern raid Okay, so just to keep the story straight in my head, Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. have the battle where Crumb's group is uh, kind of forced out and labeled as kind of like turncoats. Yeah. And Aspar joins them during that battle. Yes. And says that she's going to side with them. And then immediately after, our candy rogue Rusto figures out who she is, and so she knocks him out, and then takes him back to Gundabar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of, like, off-screen, they kind of, like, try and get information out of him. In the meantime, Aspar is talking to Crumb and trying to get information out of Crumb. And then they plan this Wyvern raid together. And we could have, like, a little, like, throwaway line where it's like, how do you know where they are? And it's just like, oh, you know, <laughs> something that like, I learned in my troop. Oh, yeah, she's like, I was, you know, going to take a certification test soon to become a wyvern rider. (laughs) Yeah. I think in between these things, in which they are gathering up more troops, Mm -hmm. I would like her to, like, be kind of touched by Crumb's, like, speeches about, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think she, I don't think she disappears Rusto immediately. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, or rather, Rusto doesn't. He doesn't discover her immediately. I think she spends some time with these guys. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then her her morality is tested during the Wyvern raid. Mm-hmm. Which maybe should the Wyvern raid be also an ambush? Maybe it's they want it to be an ambush and she convinces t- them to make it a stealth operation because she's concerned that they'll kill people in the army and she doesn't want that. Oh, yeah, so she convinces Philotas like no, no, no. If you guys try and jump them during the wyvern raid people are going to die unnecessarily and we're not going to come out on top the reasoning could be that crumb needs to think that he has the upper hand Mm -hmm. otherwise he'll probably just like disappear yeah and it'll be harder for them to catch him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's perfect so they want him to succeed in taking some of the wyverns so that he thinks he has the upper hand so then next time Mm -hmm. he comes they'll be able to ambush him or be able to find yeah. him, at least. Yeah, that. It's so, it's so that he doesn't completely disappear. So during this, what is Aspar's mindset at? In terms of like where she aligns? Matt, I really liked what you were saying about how maybe her betrayal should come on the battlefield. So I was thinking maybe at this point, she kind of like, she convinces Crumb that she is like, with him no matter what and that she was wrong to do what she did and then Mm -hmm. maybe like he trusts her for the time being and later she can betray him 
That is complicated because Philotas really doesn't treat her well, but maybe she could believe mm-hmm. in the cause, even if she doesn't like Philotas. But then it's like, why does Crumb like her? Mm-hmm. If she's that much of a bootlicker, why would why would Philotas <laughs> or why would uh Crumb be into her? Mm-hmm. Maybe part of why like she is still a bootlicker liquor is because mm-hmm. being a high-ranking captain allows and i'm just throwing it out there allows her to like help her family survive mm-hmm. like maybe there's a conversation at some point like some point earlier where crumbs like so why did you even join the army and she's like oh you know money i like i do like the like her her being an adversary on the battlefield what if like philotas punishes her for failing not by like throwing her away but by like punishing her family in some way Mm -hmm. and that motivates her to take revenge on crumb and his people and so then Mm. she shows up at the final battle as like an unexpected element in going that route like it's like full-on no redemption arc yeah i mean if we want her to make it to the final battle and have her be still against the heroes i think she can't have a redemption arc i don't think and at least not at least not yet anyway Mm -hmm. i don't know i could i can kind of see like if it's established well enough how like her alliance with the army isn't from like patriotism but from necessity yeah that in the final battle like she fights against them but maybe in like some after like some like final plea between her and crumb she turns against philotas but she'll probably have to still die we were saying that we didn't want to introduce her the first time he fails because it would she would have she would be joining him too early yeah and it wouldn't make but, sense for them to keep an eye on him but what if what if she did join him and her original reason for joining him was that she genuinely wanted to join. And then mm-hmm. as the rebels kind of gain more people, she starts to see this as an opportunity to get back into like into the original army. And so then she goes to the, the army and she offers up this information oh. to kind of get back in. I think that would allow oh. her more time in the film. So um, in regards to what one of you said about or like i think both of you agree that like we introduce her too late do you think it would like further help her character and her like being able to like establish her relationship with crumb if she was from the same village as them and maybe she was a little bit better so she got put in a different platoon than them so she wasn't set on the suicide mission mm-hmm. yeah she, she, they wouldn't really know each other in the village but like they run into each other again in the village and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. how are you holding up after all that? I think it'd be okay if she she like still knew him in the village beforehand at the yeah. beginning of the movie. But she wasn't as close with him as like, you know, Joey or whatever. She like knows who he is because maybe it's a small village, but mm-hmm. she's not like, you know, besties with him. Yeah, like she could like grow her close to him like once they're in like the rebel militia mm-hmm. together. Yeah. How does she detach from them my idea is that she disappears during the wyvern fight and nobody knows what happened to her Mm -hmm. and they may maybe they think she's dead and so they mourn her and they're like in the like when they're preparing for the final battle with like the wyverns and all that they're like saying like we're doing this for her Mm -hmm. and then when they're rolling up on the final battle they see her there and they're just like oh my god what the hell yeah so we're like completely abandoning the like whole plot line with Rusto finding her captain's thing then, right? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. We have I mean, because she's not a captain anymore. She's just like, she's just like him. Would we still have a scene where she kind of talks to Gundabar or Philatos about the Wyvern raid? She's not connected to him until after the raid. So maybe they do the raid oh. successfully. So you think she defects during the raid? Okay. Yeah, I think she voices her paranoia because, like, they accidentally let one of Philotas' men go. Mm -hmm. And she, like, voices her paranoia, like, yo, 
what if he tells them about us? What if they tell them about my family? And everyone's like, what? No, it's it'll be fine. It's fine. Philotas doesn't listen to his ground troops anyway, but she doesn't believe that. And uh, she makes a plan like during the Wyvern raid to like disappear and uh, rolls up to Gundabar and says like, hey, you know, the Wyvern raid that just happened. I know the people who did it and I can help oh. you find them. And so maybe the final battle could be an ambush or like maybe something that they're preparing for and they aren't totally prepared, but it's too late yeah. because the troops are already coming for them. I like it being an ambush. I think they like go to where they think it's going to happen. Like they, they intend to storm the castle, mm-hmm. but they storm the castle and it's empty. And then they like, they're looking around the castle, like where is everybody? And then all of a sudden they're ambushed in the castle. Maybe like not a lot of troops are going to be at the castle at that time, but it turns out to be like a full fledged assault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's actually a good question. How did, how do they overcome the ambush? Since it is like a Fire Emblem game or a movie, um, should there be some kind of magic thing? <laughs> oh, there's also, sorry, there's also like, like each game from what I was reading has like its own like magic item. Yeah, that's what I was thinking initially was like maybe they find some big magic item, but then. Like, first of all, I don't know how they know about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they're looking for in the Wyvern raid. Oh. But then again, well, well, why would they know about it, though? I do want there to be... A, I, I agree with you, Annika. I think there should be a magic <laughs> item. We have so many elements. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much true it's, to Fire Emblem. It's so complicated, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Wyvern raid didn't start as a wyvern raid maybe Mm -hmm. they heard that gundabar had his army had found a magical weapon so they raid his they try and raid like him or his group to find this weapon Mm -hmm. oh and that makes sense why uh crumb would take his wyvern yeah and so then they raid it and they crumb takes his wyvern so yeah. he has a wyvern still, and this is when oh. this is when Aspar leaves because when she sees yeah. the magic item, she panics and thinks like, "Oh, what if someone finds out that I was involved in this? What are they going to do to my family?" And so that's when she panics and turns and goes and joins the army again. Yeah, like we see the seeds of doubt early on, mm-hmm. but when they finally pull this off, she like panics and like fakes her own death and yeah goes to Gundabar and like listen I know the plan I'll let you in on it I also but think then, that would be more compelling than just a wyvern raid is like they're yes. going after a secret magical yes item. I agree but then that also still begs the question like if they're able to set up a an ambush that's supposed to counter this magical item like what's what's the point of the magical item you know what do you mean ooh well, okay, I was originally going to say it's like, if they have this powerful magical item, but they don't have the element of surprise, then I don't think it matters that much. Unless there's a mythology behind the magical item and who can use it, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it, it's been procured for Philotas because it is rumored that only, you know, Nobles. those who are, yeah. yeah, those who are pure of heart or whatever can use it and so of course philotas thinks yes of course i can use this i'm pure of heart i'm Mm -hmm. pure of blood i'm a noble and so aspar is made to think that it'll be useless in their hands anyway so we just need to set up an ambush to destroy them and take it back for ourselves yeah and nobody knows how to use it when they get it everyone's like oh i don't know how to use this thing and then crumb like during the ambush or whatever or during the battle figures out that he can use it because he is pure of heart his intentions are good maybe he meets aspar and and that this is like when he realizes that she she's turned but he chooses not Mm -hmm. to kill her and then because he chooses not he chooses not to do it 
the weapon begins to work for him. Yeah, and then that's when the battle turns. Like, when he decides not to kill her, Yeah. that's when he gets the power to turn the tide of this battle. Because right now they're being, like, they're about to be rooted and maybe even destroyed. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, questioning Aspar is like, why are you doing this? And she's like, because I'm trying to defend my family. And the, he like beats her, and it's like the moment where he could kill her. Yeah, and it would be for betraying something, them. Yeah, it would be something that you know, if he chose to do it, the audience could be sympathetic to it because they yeah understand it's justified. Yeah, they understand how much pain she's caused by turning on them, but he chooses mm-hmm. to not to do it. Yeah, and then suddenly this magical item works. Mm-hmm. I like that. Also, Matt. Yeah. It's our birthday. It is our birthday. <gasps> Happy, Happy birthday! birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Leo gang. That's Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roar. Like a lion, uh, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I am, like, super down with what you guys were saying, and I think we can give um chroma dragon stone and just be like oh pure of heart can like turn into a dragon and i think it's fine yeah i like it's being something that activates great power and not like a a really good bow you know yeah it's like an amulet or something that makes him turn into a yeah a walrus (laughs) so then crumb turns into a dragon and saves the day yeah well not saves the day but does kill gundabar and phylotas mm-hmm and, like, Aspar is really freaked out then. She's like, oh, shit, he's going to eat me. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a moment where this, like, big fuck-off dragon is, like, staring down at Aspar and then just, like, flies away and, like, helps all his friends. So then I guess once the dragon is unleashed, that's when Philotas's army is, like... Maybe they don't even kill Philotas. Maybe they just kick him out of his castle and then he's, like, powerless after that. Like, he's, he's a shamed noble that's been run out of town. I don't know. I kind of want them to eat the rich if you if you catch oh. my drift. <laughs> I feel like Philotas's army isn't really held together by any true sense of loyalty. So mm. I feel like once a big fucking dragon comes in, a bunch of them are just like tucking tail and running. Oh, that's a very Ghibli ending too, yeah. And Philotas is like the, the big, only yeah. one who's like proud enough because of his like breeding or whatever. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to fight this fucking dragon. And he just yeah. gets crushed. Oh, yeah, it's very Lady Eboshi. Well, not really Lady Eboshi. Lady Eboshi's from Princess Mononoke, right? She is from Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming this is a three-hour movie also, TBH. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely a very <laughs> long animated movie. As most, like two hours. As most war movies are. Yeah. This All is the, like a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. This would be at, such at a least. hard sell, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no... Listen, I you know what I think this looks like? I think this looks like those 3D animated anime movies. Oh. Like I was definitely picturing the whole time this being like a very like Miyazaki, you know, Studio Ghibli looking movie mm-hmm. that's like very anti-war, but realistically, this is definitely like those 3D animated like even in the, even the style of how like the animation is done in Three Houses, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining like they're also in the castle and they're just like redistributing the wealth and like farmers are coming oh, and yeah. just like taking shit, you know? Yeah. There's definitely scenes where all of our like, you know, our side characters are keeping little knickknacks for themselves. But like for sure, like there's a big scene where the rebels are like, you know, handing out bags of gold to the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay. do you guys think that we've, established enough to get into the recap i think so yeah so we start the story in this little commoner town with crumb and joey and aspar when prince philotas and the royal army come in asking for recruits for their war effort against like some evil foreigners or whatever so very patriotic and wanting to prove themselves to their country crumb and joey and aspar all go into the war all to sign up they're brought to a camp farther away from the town aspar being a little bit better of a warrior is put in a separate platoon as crumb and joey who are just starting out crumb and joey are put under the command of general gundabar who takes them on a mission Gundabar is also from the town, and they're very trusting of them, and so he takes them into this 
huge battle that they did not see would be this big. They weren't informed at all, like, what they were going up against. And they quickly learned that this is not a fair fight. And they're looking around, and their commander Gundabar is nowhere to be found, and it's just a massacre. All these new rookie recruits. The only one to survive is Crumb. Wounded and on his limping horse, he gets back to the campsite where he originally was. And he's nursed back to health and he's discharged and he goes back to the original village where he finds Aspar also discharged. And everything seems fine, but they learn of a parade being thrown in Gundabar's honor, which of course confuses Crump because Gundabar abandoned them in the battle, so what what is this parade for? And that's when he learns of Gundabar's promotion. So Crumb is enraged and he goes back to Filetoss, but is turned away. So Crumb gathers more soldiers who support him in his cause. So after Crumb gathers more like-minded soldiers who are unhappy with how Filetoss is running the military, doing things like these suicide missions, they w once again go to Filetoss, who of course is not hearing anything they're saying and turns them away once again. But this time, when turning them away, he sends a team to ambush them to quell like what he sees as the beginning of a rebellion. So Crum and his other members of the army go away and then they're ambushed. And they're able to overcome it, but they see clearly like what Philotas thinks of them. And that's when the real rebellion starts. And Crum and his friends go from town to town gathering commoners trying to make their army bigger, like get getting stronger. During this time collecting troops uh, Crum and company get into little skirmishes with the royal army, one of which makes them privy to the information that there is a camp, an army camp nearby that has wyverns that they can acquire, and they're protecting a special weapon that they are trying to get to Philotas. Our heroes ambush this wyvern camp and get this magical item but not before a small exchange between Gundabar and Aspar, who recognize each other from the village. And Gundabar escapes, but this plants the seeds of paranoia in Aspar's head, of because the Gundabar recognizes her, that this puts her family in danger for being part of the rebellion. So after Gundabar's escape, Aspar worries about the safety of her family and fakes her own death to turn coat and go to Gundabar and Philotas to give information on Crum and the rebel militia on the conditions that her family will be safe. So they acquire this magical item, this strange amulet with a stone in it. After mourning what they think is Aspar's death, Crum and the gang ambush the castle only to find that Philotas's troops were very prepared because of Aspar's betrayal and the fight ensues, they're losing greatly and there is a fight one-on-one -on -one between Aspar and Crum. Okay, Aspar and Crum have a fight. Crum overcomes Aspar but refuses to kill her. His act of mercy is what activates the amulet and transforms Crum into a huge fire-breathing dragon, which of course gives them the upper hand in the battle. He scares away a lot of the enemy troops he defeats Gundabar, and all that is left is him and Philotas, who refuses to back down even in, at the face of a dragon. Crumb defeats him, and everyone's very happy, everyone's like, oh Crumb, you should be king now, and he's like, nah, that's not the point of all this. So he destroys the crown or whatever. You know, everyone lives happily ever after, like we abolish the monarchy, workers are just ruling themselves, everyone's <laughs> taking the wealth from the castle, things mm -hmm. all good. Rusto, who I haven't been talking about this entire recap, opens a candy shop. And yeah, everything is good. The war is over. The end. I don't know. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, cool. And so that's our movie pitch for Fire Emblem the movie. Uh, this has been Game Reel. I've been Matt. I've been Cassidy. And I've been Annika. And there you have it. <laughs> 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 thanks thanks uh thanks for listening everybody all right have a good night <laughs> have a good night <laughs>
Our fantastic album art was made by Brit Soda's Journa. You can find her on Twitter as at Artzoid, spelled with a zero instead of an O. Our beautiful theme music was composed by Chris Kirk. You can find him on Twitter as at Composer Kirk and on Bandcamp at composerkirk.bandcamp.com. Thank you again for listening.